Good morning. Um, I am from. I am from across the river with a better skyline view. <laughs> Chill town. Um, I am from Bodega Sandwiches, Andy Caps Hot Fries, and Quarter Water Juices. Grape only. Um, I'm from West Side Avenue, from rollerblading on uneven concrete sidewalks to city buses and path trains. I'm from Uptowns, Constructs, and North Face Backpacks. <laughs> I am from House Snokum and House Bernardo, from big ears to high cheekbones. I'm from Nalaga and Caracare and almost every weekend house barbecues, Street Fighter 2, NBA on NBC, and SNCC. I am from sacraments and Catholicism, but only on Easter Sunday. From this perfect little world to everything shattering into pieces. Um, and I am from a search for stability and finding hope, love, and community. I am from these moments of hope, love, and community. I feel a little like precious. I was called too soon because um, I'm young. It's a joke, an inside joke um, about <laughs> preaching when you're young. I'm going to let you inside it now. Um, <laughs> hi, y'all. My name is Ariana, and if you heard the y'all, I'm from the South. Um, and I'm not going to do what I had put in my notes for the start because the Holy Spirit hit me in the middle of Sam right from her poem into that song. I, did you feel it? Did anyone else feel it? I just started weeping. Um, and the, mo the memory that came up in the tears was why I have such a deep respect and honor and love for scripture. The memory was the way I used to use the Bible to hide from the pain in my childhood home. And I just had to weep. I, Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Amen. I have to share it before we go into the text because some of you don't realize how powerful the Bible is, okay? It's a refuge, it's not a rule book, okay? A refuge, not a rule book. Um, whew, okay, I'm Pentecostal, so please talk back to me um, or I'm gonna get uncomfortable. Um, so if I could hear some mms or ahs or say that again, I will say it again. Um, so let me pull these notes up here as I pray for us. We're gonna be in John um, and Exodus, uh, which are on opposite sides of the Bible, but sort of in similar places in the two Testaments. So the first place we'll be is in John, which is page 838. Um, and let me pray for us. <sighs> Jesus, this is your house. And this morning we want to be transformed by you at your table. But we can't manufacture something, so we need you to come. We need to experience you this morning. We need to be changed um, for ourselves, for our families, and for the world around us. Lord, would you speak this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in this series where I'm from, as you notice, from the poetry that you heard. Um, and in the last two weeks, Jeremiah has set us up through a couple ideas. The first one was in Genesis around Hagar, um, who was uh, used um, by Sarah and Abram as an instrument to manufacture a promise that was given to them. And when she was used, the brokenness that happened 
made a, a riff in history where people are instruments instead of images of God. Um, and here we believe that you are an image bearer. And then after that, we jumped into the Tower of Babel, where we saw their disordered desires to make their names great lead to oppression and objectification of people that became cogs in a tower building system. And we even, he even played with the idea that we see this in some of our own church communities, where visions become places where people become instruments and cogs. And we put forward that here, we want to be different. We want to be a people that commune around tables and know each other, and we want to strive for unity instead of uniformity. So short plug for unity over uniformity <laughs> are tables that Precious mentioned. There's two this week, and then a whole nother month starts, and you can have an opportunity to eat with someone again. Um, so now today we're going to move along past Genesis into Exodus um, and into the book of John where we're going to start. We're looking at Jesus's claim that he is the bread that came from heaven. What does that mean to us Gentiles? I think everyone in the room, I think doesn't come from a Jewish background. So what does this bread from heaven mean for us? Um, and then what is he trying to communicate through this story where he is quoting scripture? He's quoting a story from his Bible, Jesus's Bible, um, the Torah. So let's jump in, John 6, 25 to 41. Uh, right before this passage, sorry, before we jump in, right before this passage, uh, many of you will remember that there is Jesus and he's on um, a mountainside. There's a giant grassy knoll. This little boy is there and he has a few loaves and a few fish, maybe for his snack, maybe just for the disciples, who knows? Um, but the disciples look at Jesus and say, you need to send these people home. It's getting dark. They got to eat. And the people are waiting to eat what this prophet is going to give them because in that time, prophets would do signs to confirm that they were really a prophet with power. And so these people were assuming they're going to get a meal. Um, so they're following him for the bread. Um, and they do get a meal. The disciples are amazed and close to 20,000 people are fed. It says 5,000, but it would have just been counting the men. It would have also been a nod to the Roman kingdom who sorted their soldiers in groups of 5,000. So what kind of army is God building? Um, so Let's get into the passage. So this is right directly after the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the lake realized something. They saw only one boat had been there. They knew Jesus had not gotten into it with his disciples and they knew the disciples had gone away alone. Yet uh, some boats from Tiberias landed and it was near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord gave thanks. The crowd realized that Jesus and his disciples were not there. So they're on the hunt, right? They get into the boats, they go to Capernaum to look for Jesus. It's a large town, so they're trying to find him. And then it says, they found him on the other side of the lake and they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, what I'm about to tell you is true. You're not looking for me because you saw miraculous signs. You're looking for me because you ate the loaves until you were full. Do not work for food that spoils. Work for food that lasts forever. That is the food the Son of Man will give you. God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. And so they asked him more, what does God want from us? What works does he want us to do? Jesus answered, God's work is to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign will you give us? What will you do so we can see it and believe you? Long ago, our people ate the manna in the desert. It is written in scripture, the Lord gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, what I'm about to tell you is true. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. 
It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven. He gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread always, is what some translations say. Yours says from now on. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever go hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. But it is just as I have told you. You have seen me, and you don't believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. I will never say, send away anyone who comes to me. I have not come down from heaven to do what I want to do. I have come down to do what the one who sent me wants to do. And the one who sent me doesn't want to lose anyone he has given me. He wants me to raise them up on the last day. My father wants all who look to the son to believe in him and have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. And the Jews began to complain about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. This is the word of the Lord. What are you working for? What are you working for? What is your motivation for following Jesus (laughs) through the subway Uh, through your car, through your commute to get into this house this morning? What are you coming to receive from God? Are you looking for something temporary? Do you need help in your marriage? Maybe you're looking for a spouse. Maybe you came this morning because you thought, Jesus is gonna give me a spouse if I pray, so that's why I'm here. Um, He does do that, but that's not why we're here. (laughs) Um, Maybe you're here this morning because um, it's the right thing to do and you're trying to do the right things in your life. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you, or maybe you meant to be somewhere else and you ended up here. Um, Thank you, Lord, for your power, because Jesus is here and he has a message for you. These people follow Jesus because they've heard about um, the miraculous healings he's doing in the countryside. They even ate some of the bread from the miraculous miracle he's doing, but they're not following him to experience God, which is what he's saying. He's saying eternal life is at your hand if you believe. They're following him across the river because they have internal motivations that for us can sometimes be hard to see because we're Western looking at a text that was written for Middle Eastern people. So what would they see here? Um, These people would read this and see that they're thinking about uh, in the moment liberation. These people are looking for someone who will come and free them from the oppressive Rome, who will put food in their stomachs because there's been unjust practices leading to them going hungry. Um, And so they're looking for this immediate satiation of an earthly thing. And Jesus can do that, and he does do that in the passage right before, right? And they completely forget about it. And he's saying, you're missing it. You've seen the signs I could give you even more, but you don't believe. How are you missing what God is doing in your life? Where do you need to come to Jesus? Not for consumption of what he has to offer, but for communion with the God of the universe. We know that Jesus came down from heaven is what he's saying here. He's trying to put a point into their brains that what you thought is temporal, what you thought a coming Messiah was to do for you is not just what he's to do. The coming Messiah isn't just setting up a reign for the kingdom of Judah. He's setting up a reign for the entire world. 
a kingdom that you can't even fathom. You just want a kingdom where everyone gets fed and the king isn't mean to you. I'm giving you a kingdom that you've never seen before. Will you receive it? All they have to do is receive it. The kingdom is coming. They just have to receive it, but they miss it because they're hungry and they have personal desires that get in the way. Even personal belief systems that get in the way. If you fast forward to the bottom of the passage, look where Jesus is talking to them and says, he explains it even more in language they'll understand, right? I've come down from heaven not to do what I want, but to do what the Father wants. And what does the Father want? He wants me to do, he wants me not to lose anyone he has given me. And who has the Father given to Jesus? The entire world, right? He wants me to raise them up on the last day. He's expanding this and the Jews are missing it. My Father wants all who look to the Son and believe to have eternal life, not just freedom from Rome, not just food on the table. But they begin to complain because they got stuck in their religiosity when they heard that he was bread that came down from heaven. Where have you gotten stuck in religiosity and you're missing the presence of God around you? For me, I had an encounter with God in college where I realized that there was more to believing in Jesus. And I decided I wanted to follow him. I wanted to do the things I saw him doing. I wanted to tell people about healing and pray for it. And somewhere along the way, in the last eight years, I got lost like the Jews. I saw the signs, but I stopped experiencing the presence of God. And I was solely in the world of Jesus because I wanted him to do things for me. You might be like me today, right? We see the broken leaders in our world. We see the broken relationships in our family. And we hear that there is this guy who's doing signs and powers that the Christians are talking about. And we want him to do those signs and powers for us. And he may, right? He does heal some people. He does feed some people. But the kingdom is on the way. It's not coming immediately. So for some of us, we've been sitting here and we didn't get the kingdom immediately. And we got mad. And that mad, that anger has become a barrier to sitting in the presence of God. For me, I thought that receiving the kingdom meant I was gonna get immediate ends to, to, to racism, right? So I was gonna let go of my whiteness and my white anger and my privilege, and I was gonna see God do a miracle in the world, just one person. Um, but that's not what he's doing immediately. He's doing that in some places, right? We read stories of that beauty, but it's not fully received. And so I started looking for that sign to mean that God's presence was there. That's getting it out of order. That's what they are doing here, getting it out of order. And so what does Jesus remind them of? He takes them to a story that they know to redefine a framework that he wants them to receive. So I'm gonna grab some coffee so I can actually talk and then we're gonna pop into Exodus. So if you'll open your Bibles to, let's see what page it's on, page 46. <laughs> so in page 46, we're in Exodus 8. There's another time that God has let his people go from an oppressive power that Jesus is reminding them of. And why does he let them go from Pharaoh? Is it to re release them from systemic oppression? Yes. Is it to feed them? Yes. But are those the main reasons he lets them go? No. What does he say to Pharaoh? He tells Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go 
that they may serve me. And other translations say, let my people go that they may come into the wilderness and worship me. God desires our hearts. When he gets our hearts, when he gets our presence and our worship, things fall in line. But the kingdom isn't here yet. It's on its way. It's both here and to come. And they're missing it again. And so Jesus reminds them of the story of the bread, not just the coming out into the wilderness, but the bread, right? He's trying to draw these um, comparisons that their Jewish minds would see. And so when he reminds them of the bread, you can turn to page 54 and see in Exodus 16 what happens in the wilderness. And you're gonna see some eerie comparisons, even Jews grumbling again, right? So it says at this point, they've come out of Egypt They're walking through the wilderness together. God has delivered them from what they thought was the only thing God was delivering them from. And yet they still need more. The Lord says to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people will go out and gathers a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day, when they prep what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And so I'm going to continue the story paraphrase, but you now know where to find it if you want to go look back at it this week. Um, basically, he says, go out each morning, get the bread I give you, my faithfulness to you in the wilderness, feeding you physical provision, but don't store it up except for on, before the Sabbath, because if you store it up, it's going to spoil. Because I want you to have a daily dependence on me. I'm bringing you into a place to worship me, to receive the presence of the God of the universe. And you can't hoard it up to control who is meeting your needs. How are you trying to hoard the presence of God to meet your needs? How are you trying to control? And so Jesus is trying to model something for them, even in the way that he lives and walks. If you look through the gospels, you see Jesus doing things daily. He says, I'm not here to do what I want. His desires are even transformed by God, right? He spends time away with the father daily. You see him praying before going into these moments of ministry and he is transformed. He says, not my will, but thy will be done, right? He is being transformed. And so what can we learn from what Jesus is trying to teach them to bring into what God is doing in us and in this city? I think one of the main things is if you're coming to Jesus to consume something, to get something for yourself, to better your life, but you're not coming to experience the presence of the God of the universe, your orders are wrong. You have a disordered way of thinking. The God of the universe wants to spend time with you. He made you. He loves you. He delights in you. He sees your needs, but he's after your heart. He sees them. He's not ignoring them, but he wants to spend time with you. If you had a best friend and all they ever did was call you for money, for drinks, or to give to their latest project, or they met with you, but you never got a word in edgewise because they were just asking you for things that they needed, would you call that person a true friend? Probably not. (laughs) But many of us, that's the way we go to God. We're like, okay, what will you do for us next? What can you do for us next? And actually have this long list of things. I'm going to give them to you. But Jesus teaches us how to pray even. Pray for your daily bread. He's trying to get in their minds that there is this relationship that they're missing. There are powers, there are signs, but they're missing this daily presence and filling of the Holy Spirit. They're missing this daily presence and filling 
of being with the God of the universe and having your, your whole world transformed so that the kingdom can be received. In our current states, we can't receive the kingdom. We have to be transformed. Our desires are not good all the time, but God can transform them, right? Um, for me, what that looks like is I notice that when I spend time in the presence of God, I let people cut me off in traffic and I don't honk at them like a real New Yorker. Um, that is the presence of the Spirit, amen? Because <laughs> I feel entitled to it, right? It's small, but I feel entitled to be like, hey, I'm trying to go somewhere. And I was here first. Um, but imagine the ripple effect that is received as you set back your desires and begin to see the world through God's eyes. What is reordered? The other question is, what are you eating every day? How do you fill yourself up? What are you filling yourself up on? And what are you seeing that food do for you? Are you eating things that um, lead you to be transformed in a not good way? For example, maybe you eat pornography. You don't really eat it, but you see it, right? And you're consuming that. And as you consume that, you're being taught how to view other people in a way that isn't good for you or them, right? Jesus is saying, come and sit with me, believe in what you see, and you'll be transformed to receive the kingdom. And you'll never be thirsty. You'll never be hungry. So let's move to that. What are you craving? What does your soul want? What are you thirsty for? What are you hungry for? You have cravings? I have cravings. For me, I have a craving at Dunkin'. It's always a chocolate sprinkled donut and an iced coffee. Um, but how do you start to crave the things of the kingdom? How do you start to crave the things of the kingdom? It's by spending time in the presence of God, just like Jesus did. And so when you cultivate that time, that daily time of sitting in the presence of God, of asking the Lord to be there with you, for, to give you your daily bread, your heart begins to change and you begin to crave the things of the coming kingdom. So there's a cycle, right? There's this cycle of like, we get what we want from God, so then we're good for a while, we go away, and then we come back and it's that friendship relationship I'm talking about where you're just asking for what you need when you need it. Um, how do you get out of that cycle? This morning, we're going to pray for that cycle to be broken. Um, we're gonna pray for you to experience the coming kingdom. We're gonna pray for you to experience the presence of God in a way that you maybe haven't experienced it before so that you can break out of this cycle of only going to Jesus to get something. Because my friends, when you go to Jesus not wanting to get something, but wanting to receive his presence, you are changed. When you go to Jesus not to get something, but just to sit in his presence, you're changed. We wanna behold the glory of God, right? Show us your glory, God. We can't see the glory of God if all we do is say, show us your glory and can you show it to me through these specific things I'm asking for? That's not a relationship. You would never do that to your boyfriend <laughs> or your girlfriend. Like, I want you to show me your love, but you have to do it this exact way or I don't know that you love me. You learn the person. What does that person do that, know, that you know is their way of loving you? You have to spend time in their presence to learn them, to learn their quirks and their things. Even with your parents, there are specific ways that your mom or dad love you, right? And the father has a specific way too. And what he's asking for you is come to me daily. 
doesn't mean breaking open a giant Bible every day, but just simply saying in the morning, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I need my daily bread. Would you come? Would you sit with me? What are you doing? This is the reality that's at play. We've become disordered. There's a daily feeling we need to receive. And when we have these experiences with God that we have on Sundays, and then we try to store that up for the rest of the week, it spoils. <laughs> By Wednesday or Thursday, there's worms in our hearts and we're honking and cutting people off in traffic and yelling at our spouses. And why did she say that to me in the text message? Was it supposed to be that way? Um, but there's a new life for us. If we don't store up bread, but we eat what we have for that day, our fill, he says, eat as much as you want. It's all over. And then you can go out about your day. So let's take some time before we come to the communion table to think about what our lives look like right now. Questions that I have for you, one of them is, do you just come to Jesus to consume? Or do you come to Jesus to commune? Do you see and not believe? Do you see the signs and just come for consumption? Another question is, um, what does your week look like? Take a minute and just think about this week to come. We can make the space for that this morning. Do you have space in your week this week to meet with God? Have you prioritized making that space? Alex, you can come up and play the keys so we can feel the moodiness of the moment. <laughs> um, but we don't want this to be a rush space. We wanna carve out time because we believe it's important that you each experience the presence of God daily. And so we wanna make space um, for you to really take a look and take stock of your week. Because something else happens when we don't take stock of our week. We begin to look at others the same way we look at God and we begin to look at people around us as objects for our consumption. She has this thing I need, so I should be her friend or he has this thing, so I should be his friend. Instead of looking at people to know them, to commune with them in unrushed ways. So two questions. Take a look at your week. Do you have time for God? If you don't, get out your calendar app. Put in some space this week, five minutes, 10 minutes each day. And the other one is, do you need to throw out some stale bread? <laughs>